0: It's Thursday, March 31st, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, today was supposed to be opening day. Today we were supposed to be sitting at Progressive Field, watching the Guardians open up their their, their season. Uh, it's not happening. It's uh, going to be a week later because of the lockout. Actually, I'll tell you what, today would have been the perfect day. It's 65 degrees out here in Cleveland, and uh, it would have been the absolute perfect day for a home opener. But uh, that's how it goes. Uh, We're still playing spring training games. Got about six or seven of them left uh, before the Guardians head east to uh, opening Kansas City.
1: God, that's a great call, Joe. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, March 31st was the opener. They would have been down at Progressive Field uh, against the Royals. And... uh, but, but bygones, let bygones be bygones.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take what we can get, I guess, as, as we go forward. Last night, uh, not the uh, the the greatest result for the Guardians in their exhibition loss uh, to the Dodgers, twelve to one, and they gave up eight runs in the ninth inning. I guess uh, uh, it was another one of those games where the all the pitchers that pitch for Cleveland uh, figure to be guys who are not on the opening day roster. And uh, it it kind of showed there in the eighth inning with a few errors and a a little bit of kicking the ball around uh, must have been a little frustrating for for the folks in the park for sure.
1: Oh my goodness! That that the ninth inning they they give up eight runs. They uh, the Dodgers send thirteen batters to the plate. Uh, there's a grand slam. There's four walks. A run scores on the infield fly rule. Another run scores on an error. It was, it was Tom Hamilton. I don't think was a, was a happy man calling that ninth
0: inning. No, you could tell it in his voice. I'd be curious to to hear Tito's thoughts on the game uh, later on this evening, but uh, we did get to talk to Tito before the game and uh, he uh, it, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're in a position right now where you're, you're a week left and, uh, you know, in a normal spring training, you've already announced who your opening day starter is going to be. We know that Cleveland is going to face Zach Granke for, uh, for Kansas city next Thursday, but you know, Tito isn't exactly there yet. We know Shane Bieber is going to be the guy. We know he's going to get the ball. It just doesn't sound like everybody's completely confident that anybody on the staff right now is, is ready to go.
1: Yeah. You know, Joe, I get that exact same feeling. I, I mean, uh, you know, usually, you know, in a, in a traditional spring training, your, your, uh, your starters would have be t- between 25 and 30 innings pitched, and, uh, and, and that's not counting B games or, you know, A game or the minor league games, but, you know, look at these, listen to these innings pitched. Uh, Plesak leads the rotation with five, five and two-third innings pitched. Uh, Beavers pitched one and a third. That doesn't count the uh, minor league game he pitched. Savali's at three innings. You know, Class A has three innings. A closer has just as many innings as 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 Savali. Uh, you know, and I, I just wonder, you know, I remember something earlier in in spring training that Francona said. He said, you know, the way this thing is shaken out, we might, we might have to uh, go with the rotation that, you know, isn't like the normal kind of rotation you'd go with, you know, meaning that Bieber might not be the opening day starter. Now, like you, I still think he's going to be the opening day starter, but I mean, this guy's pitched one in the third inning and uh, do you send him out there when he's not ready? I, I, I yeah. you know, I can't see the, uh, I, I don't, I don't think they do that.
0: Well, Francona keeps alluding to conversations that they still need to have with some of these guys. And I, I I think part of the conversation that they're going to have to have with a guy like Bieber, who uh, let's, let's face it. You're a starter in the major leagues. You expect to be, to take the ball and go out there and throw 85 to hundred pitches and go five innings. And that's, that's what you're expecting. That's what you expect of yourself. And I think part of the conversation that Tito keeps alluding to is maybe having to tell these guys, Hey, you're going to go two innings in the opener. You're going to go two or three innings at the most in the opener and I don't want to hear anything about it because they're they want to be able he keeps referring back to we want these guys to still be able to pitch in August which is a major concern for this club because if these five starters aren't able to keep going in in August because they've either broken down or they're exhausted then uh, the season looks completely different yeah
1: I mean that's the best part of the team the rotation they certainly didn't help the offense over the winter. And, uh, you know, we, they've all but said they're going with, you know, as, as inexperienced and young people and young players in in a lot of these positions. Uh, and so if they're, if they don't take care of their starting pitching and that bullpen, you know, this is going to be really a long season. So I can see what they're talking about. I can see why they, have you know, they, they've, you know, have a lot of, a lot invested in guys like Eli Morgan and, and, uh, uh, you know, Logan Allen, those kind of guys that could come in and help the, you know, kind of help the uh, starters. But it, it's real, I you know, I'm, I'm still, I still can't get a real good feel for just how this thing is going to look the first two or three weeks of the season, Joe.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really don't get that sense that we're going to know until we're sort of in it in that first week. Well, well, we'll see the names in the rotation the way we kind of expect to see them, but it's not until we get into the game itself and see, uh, you know, sort of Tito reveals what the plan is. Uh, and it, believe me, he's not going to do something just by the seat of his pants. They have a plan. They have something in mind that they would like to do to try and get them to, you know, maybe mid to late April so that they can start going through the rotation on a regular basis. We, we know that it's not anything being done without a plan. It's just uh, they're, for, they're not revealing what that plan is. And <laughs> you can't blame them. I, I mean, they, you, don't, you don't like Tito says, you don't need to make out your lineup on the first day of spring training. So uh, it, it does kind of make sense that they played a little close to the best.
1: Yeah, this is like Nassau, Joe. I mean, they've got guys, you know, they've got the pitching group. They've got like 50 people in, in a room trying to come up with a formula here. To uh, you know, save the rotation. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they come up with. And you're right, you know, they don't do anything without a plan. And uh, hopefully, this it's the right plan. Uh,
0: they did make a couple of moves, uh, roster moves yesterday. Robert Broom and Nick Mikolachik were uh, reassigned to the AAA camp. Again, that's the problem. Is today uh, they're sending a, a, a group of players from AAA are heading to, to Western Pennsylvania. To, uh, to get ready for their season, which is opening, you know, this weekend. Uh, you know, the guys have to have time to get settled into apartments in Columbus and, and get over to wherever they're playing, Lehigh Valley or, uh, you know. Yeah, the, uh, the Iron Pigs, right? The Iron uh, Pigs, yeah.
1: The Yankees, Triple A team.
0: Uh, so, you know, it, it sort of causes problems where it's not like you can just, you know, send guys back and forth between the, the, the big league exhibition games and the, the triple a camp because those guys aren't going to be there for the rest of this week. Uh, they're also playing night games at, uh, uh, at Goodyear ballpark for the rest of the week to try and prepare for, uh, you know, playing night games every day. Once the regular season starts.
1: Is that, is that what was behind this? The yeah, I think that it's like games? six
0: straight night games that they're playing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I-
0: uh, night games are a rarity in in, in cactus league yeah, you know, especially that the-
1: many i mean usually they kind of sprinkle them throughout the uh, you know the the, uh, the the cactus league schedule but you know to have them this many in a row is is kind of unusual and and of course what what their first the, the season opener is a day game in kansas city so we'll see i you know i don't think they are going to be playing too many night games in april in cleveland
0: yeah. And, uh, you know, when, the, except for the opener, which, you know, nobody's real happy yeah, about right. is the opener is so. uh, a uh, seven o'clock game, but that's all right. Uh, we did uh, see uh, news around the league. We saw uh, Scott Boris, the agent for Michael Conforto, the, the still free agent outfielder uh, from the Mets. Uh, it was revealed that Conforto was dealing with a shoulder injury that he suffered uh, while working out. During the lockout, and that's probably one of the reasons why he hasn't signed. Uh, again, this is this goes back to you know why hasn't why haven't the Guardians added a bat, added anything to the lineup? Well, uh, maybe Conforto's injury uh, might give us a, one of the reasons why he wasn't more strongly considered.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, definitely, uh, you know, and I think uh, Conforto would have drawn a lot more interest, you know, throughout the league if, uh, you know, if he had been healthy and he's also got the qualifying offer attached to him. So, you know, that's another thing slowing it down.
0: Right, uh, speaking of slowing down uh, all that momentum that we thought we were hearing about with the Jose Ramirez contract extension, uh, maybe we pump the brakes on that a little bit. There's a an artificial deadline imposed by the team of opening day to, keep, to get this deal done. Uh, Probably not a lot of faith that something like that's going to happen before opening day.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, th- I still think there's a chance, Joe. And, and I think if they get close, uh, you know, they, they would push that deadline back. They certainly have done it in the past. You know, not, not this particular front office, but, you know, they signed CC Sabathia to an extension in late April. Um, you know, they've done it uh, with Victor Martinez. They did it with, uh, um, you know, uh, Travis Hafner. Uh, you know, so it's it's happened before. And they've also, you know, gone right up till to to opening day with guys like Jason Kipnis and Carrasco and Kluber when when they've signed extensions to it to them. But, you know, I think it's uh, right now I get the sense that the ball is in Paul Dolan's court. You know, it's it's up to him to make the decision. Do they want to do one of these, you know, 150 to 170 million dollar contracts, uh, you know, six, seven five, six, seven year deal. And, you know, and, and of course, you know, Dolan is pretty much on record when, when this, the same question was, you know, revolved around uh, Francisco Lindor that they just can't do a deal like that. So we'll see what happens.
0: Right. What was Dolan's uh, thoughts were the next $300 million contract I hand out will be my first, Uh, I think it was uh, uh, something along the lines of what he said. And uh, you know, it's just, the idea of being able to, to say Jose Ramirez uh, plays his entire career in Cleveland. I think it, it would be nice to be able to, to, to say that, to do that, to have that uh, and, you know, build around him for the next, like you said, five to, you know, six years. It, it, it's, it's something I think everybody wants to see get done. And, and you're right. Uh, the ball is in, uh, in Dolan's court right now. Uh, as, as we move forward, uh, getting ready for, uh, gosh, again, uh, the openers a week away, the, 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 the season opener a week from right now, they will be, we'll be, you know, focused on watching the, the guardians take the field for the first time this season. Uh, what do they still need to do between now and then to get there?
1: Oh, I think they, you know, they've got to settle the second base question, right? Uh, Ernie Clement gave, uh, you know, he's just having a, a a breakout spring training. He had, he had a home run last night for the for uh, the Guardians' only run. Uh, is he a, But is he the everyday second baseman, Joe? I I don't know. I think he's a utility guy, but you know the way he's played, you certainly can't deny him that. Yu Chang, uh, Owen Miller, uh, um, uh, Andres Jimenez—they've all had really good springs. So that's a good problem to have. Uh, first base, you know, I guess they're they're, they're saddled with uh, Bobby Bradley, and he has not really had a great spring. I mean, he had the, a great spring last year, didn't win the job. Now he's he's having, you know, he's scuffling, and he's gonna he's got the job handed to him because he's out of options.
0: Yeah, exactly. What kind of message do you send, Bobby Bradley? Hey, go out there and tear the cover off the ball one spring, and we're not going to put you on the roster. And then the next spring, eh, you're all right. You're what we've got. You go going there. To- I guess what Tito said uh, yesterday about Bobby Bradley was, uh, you know, you hope that by the end of training camp, by the time you break camp, that guys feel comfortable. So whether or not the numbers are there, the results are there for Bobby Bradley. Does he feel comfortable in the batting box? Does he, you know, have the right approach when he's going up there, whether or not the results are showing up in in spring training. And if he's comfortable, then he'll be successful uh, once uh, everything goes live.
1: Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's had 21 at bats, So, you know, I guess, you know, that's not, you know, usually you get what 50 to 70 in in a normal spring training. So, uh, you know, he he has not swung the bat well, but it doesn't mean he won't swing the bat well, I guess. And if you're looking at, if you're looking at it that way, and you've got Chang and Miller to uh, platoon with them and they both had pretty good, you know, really good springs. I don't know if they both make the club, but uh, you know that that's uh, that's you know at least you have you know a platoon option at first base.
0: Well, and and speaking of options, you've got Owen Miller has options, so you know he's probably the the likeliest candidate to open the season with Columbus. Uh, and uh, you know you, you're looking at Jimenez, Clement, uh, Chang, all in some sort of like rotation of utility slash second base. Uh, slash shortstop really if you want to give Jimenez the start at short when you you move uh, Rosario out to left field really the only for sure locked in solid starting positions right now are D.H. Uh, Framil Reyes catcher Austin Hedges third base Jose Ramirez and center field Miles Straw uh, everything else is sort of still up in the air
1: yeah you know that, that's a great point and uh, you know <laughs> I'm really curious what they're going to do with Rosario. I I mean, are they really going to just, he's going to be your starting left fielder after playing what three games in left field. Mm I mean, I I just, that, that blows my mind. I mean, I I just don't understand that. And I I don't think it's, I just, I I don't know. You know, I I love, you know, obviously he's a good hitter. You know, he had a good year, but I, you know, I just think you're asking for trouble. You know, you, you know, and it, and it won't be his fault if, if he gets three balls hit over his head in against at at Kauffman Stadium when the season opens.
0: And You're talking about a big outfield there at Kauffman Stadium. It's not exactly the uh, the easiest place to play. the The angles down the line, you know, the way the ball kicks off the wall down there, you have to be real careful because you're talking about an inside the park home run if if you misplay a ball in the corner. Uh, yeah, and, and that's and a that's great not, point. That's, that's like a good. highlight
1: court down there. Exactly. The
0: uh, last night, Rosario did play left field. He did have a couple of balls uh, drop in front of him on on loopers and, and you know, sort of flares out to left. Uh, and, and just from judging from what, uh, what what Hammy was saying, listening to the game, uh, it sounded like, you know, there might have been communication issues in terms of, you know, talking to the, the infielders coming out as he was going in. So, uh, again, <laughs> you know, how much do you want to risk Uh, keeping it, what's the risk reward, keeping his bat in the lineup. If his glove is going to hurt you and it doesn't hurt you as much at shortstop where, where he feels more comfortable and more natural.
1: Yeah. And uh, you know, they did this before they did this last year and they had to, you know, they, they, they ended up playing a month like that and finally changed, you know, and put him back at shortstop. So is this, what's going to happen again? Or, or do you just leave him out there? Just, you know and kind of bite your tongue and 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 let them learn the position i, I just it just seems like um i don't know <laughs> it just seems like a haphazard way to run things
0: I, it, it's it's really weird it, it this is not the first time you know these last two years it's not the first time where francona has put infielders out in the outfield and said you will just live with what's what's going on i mean you remember, two years in a row, they had the Jason Kipnis experiment, and you know that was equally miserable and, and sort of head scratching in, in both regards. So, and they did that uh, in
1: the postseason,
0: yeah, they did it at the worst time of year, too. It's just crazy. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, wanted to tell a, a, a quick Tito story here. I know I'm sort of burying the lead uh, with this, but uh, Tito mentioned uh, yesterday we were talking to him, uh, I asked him about uh, the new Guardian song that uh, came out, the, the We Are Cleveland, and asked him if he had heard it. He said he hadn't heard it yet, but that was his own failure because, you know, he's not real good with the technology. And uh, somebody had tried to send him a, a link to it, and he couldn't get it to work. So uh, I think uh, the, the folks in the, the baseball operations uh, department are going to hook him up so he can hear it at least. But uh, it, it reminded him of a story uh, of, of when he first got the job in Cleveland about 10 years ago. And he was doing his, uh, his tour of like the local radio stations and how, how you do that. You, you, you know, you bring the new coach around and he meets the the media. And then, uh, he said he was at the, the 98.5, uh, studios, uh, the radio station. And he met Michael Stanley and Michael Stanley's band, I guess is, uh, is touring now. And it's a great story. He said, uh, boy, he shook Michael Stanley's hand and he said, boy, you know, when I was in college uh, there was a guy by the name of Michael Stanley who had a, a an album out. It was uh, what was, it was called cabin fever. And he's like, I, man, I listened to that in my dorm uh, all the time. And he said, Michael Stanley like poked him in the arm and he said, Hey, look up on the wall. And he pointed at the album up on the wall, like the <laughs> same guy. And uh, so Tito was, you know, it was just a funny story and it, it Tito used to like like Michael Stanley, man. It is great. It, it, that's what a connection that he came back and that you know that's uh, you know one of the first things that he he got to learn. Yeah, that was really cool. That was funny. Uh, <laughs> he's he's obviously Michael Stanley passed away uh, last year, and uh, you know there've been tributes and all that. And his uh, his band is touring, but uh, you know Tito said, I, "I hear his band is touring again," which would be quite an accomplishment, I guess. And you know, all things considered. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it just, uh, you know, wanted to take that with us as we, we get used to the new uh, Guardian song, We Are Cleveland, produced by Welshly Arms, uh, Sam Getz, and Jimmy Weaver. Uh, Courtberry Tripp, who's uh, sort of the, the Guardian's resident uh, rock aficionado, he, uh, he was instrumental in getting that, uh, that track produced and a big collaborative effort. So, uh, a lot of fun, uh, you know, just seeing Court's passion about rock music and, and the song and how it connects to Cleveland. Uh, you know, certainly something the uh, the Guardians could be proud of uh, moving forward. Hope everybody really enjoys uh, the song when they hear it at the ballpark.
1: Yeah, it's a good tune. I like it,
0: man. Get you, get you fired up. All right. All right. Hoinsy likes it. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's podcast. We will uh, be back to wrap up the week uh tomorrow and we'll talk to you then on the cleveland baseball talk podcast